What's going on guys? Welcome to or welcome back to Consuming Crime. It's your host Jules here. Uh, first thing, if you were watching, I, um, listen, I just had finals. I am tired. <laughs> One day I will learn to balance the whole getting cute with the being a mom, with the going to school and all that good stuff. But today, your girl is tired, so I am wearing my favorite oversized t-shirt uh, I encourage you to wear your favorite oversized t-shirt right now. Like, go put it on right now. And then we can be oversized t-shirt consuming crime buddies. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, like I said, welcome to or welcome back to Consuming Crime. It's your host, Jules, here. Before we get started, make sure you give us five stars wherever you're listening. And really quick, I have not mentioned this. I've been meaning to mention it, but I keep forgetting. There, Everyone that watches my YouTube channel about 97% of you are not subscribed to my channel, so I encourage you, give this video a like, make sure you subscribe to the channel. I put on new videos every Saturday, except two Saturdays ago. I missed it because I forgot to send an audio file, and it was just technical difficulties, but I do my best to do every single Saturday. And if you can, you can become a supporter of the podcast, which basically means you can make a small monthly donation that just helps sustain future episodes. It can be as little as 99 cents. And if you become a supporter of the podcast, I will give you a shout out on the new or the next recorded episode after you become a supporter. And you get a supporter badge if you join the website. So when you go to consumingcrime.com, there's a little sign up button. You click sign up and you can join the site, get a badge. There's different types of badges you can get to, not just supporter badge. Thank you so, so much for listening. Even if you're just giving it a shot, it means the absolute world that you guys are even giving it a chance. And if you're a continued listener, man, is there anything better, like bigger than a thank you? Like how many times can I say thank you? I'm just going to keep saying it because it's it blows my mind that you guys actually consistently consume crime with me. Today, I am covering the finale of American Detective featuring Joe Kenda and this episode is it was really tough for me to listen to it was just hard to watch honestly and there are details in the documentary or in the episode that I'm gonna leave out just because it's a little bit too brutal to talk about and if you want to watch it again it's on Discovery Plus it's called American Detective featuring Joe Kenda. This is episode 10. The episode on the streaming network is called Lights Out, and I'm also calling it Lights Out. Without further ado, let's jump in. It is October 19th in 1998 in Phoenix, Arizona. Around 2 p.m. in the afternoon, there's a 911 call. 2 p.m. in the afternoon already, you're thinking, who could be committing a crime in the daylight? The person reports an elderly neighbor lying in the backyard, and the wife might be in the house. Officers arrive on scene and they see an elderly man bleeding profusely from his head and he was tied up in duct tape, but he was alive. They take the duct tape off of him and he's asking about his wife, is my wife okay? He doesn't want to answer anything about himself, he just wants to know, is his wife okay? They go into the house and they see that the door was open, so they wonder if the suspect is still there. They find another body, this time an elderly woman. Being interviewed now in the documentary is Darren Birch. He is a retired detective of Phoenix PD. When he was younger, he learned that his grandmother had been brutally raped when she was a child, and this was the thing that gave him his passion to go after criminals. He gets the call about the home invasion with an elderly couple and finds out that the woman had been brutally raped. The details that I'm going to keep out are anything that has to do with the rape, by the way. Both of them are in their 80s. 
like it's just it makes me sad because these two people are obviously trying to just retire in peace and they're minding their own business and their names are john and hazel dernovich they lived in this house for many years and they were childhood sweethearts that grew old together john worked in construction and hazel ran the house they were both rushed to the hospital and in critical condition. Officers found disturbing things at the crime scene. There were a lot of instruments and there was blood everywhere. There were drawers open and definitely a ransacking happened. Someone was looking for something but officers aren't sure if anything is visibly missing and they have yet to interview the couple. Officers wonder why the husband was outside and the wife was inside. They go outside and they find drag marks from where they found John and these drag marks led to the circuit breaker and this door was found open with the main power switch off. So somebody must have turned it off to lure John outside of the house so that Hazel would be by herself. I mean, that's what officers are thinking at this point and it's the most common thing that most likely happened. By this area, they also find a shoe print, a really clean one, just really rare because there's always partial shoe prints partial fingerprints and this was a full clean shoe print and this shoe print belonged to a reebok shoe which nowadays i think reeboks are super common but back then it was a less common shoe so this could definitely help later officers go to the hospital and talk to the doctors they find out that the husband suffered a subdural hematoma which basically means there's a bruising of the brain he had been hit five times with a metal bar him and his wife were watching tv and the power turned off so he went outside to check the power box which is exactly what they thought and the next thing he knew he was on the ground the man they find out it was a man hit john and then tied him up with duct tape and that's when john passed out he doesn't remember anything after until he woke up in the hospital bed which means that when he was asking the officers where's my wife how is my wife he doesn't remember this so like we said this was definitely alert to get the husband to go outside and officers believe that this house was targeted they also conclude that the woman had been extensively tortured they go to talk to hazel and she says she doesn't feel well which is the sweetest way to say i feel like it leave me alone the officer sees her left hand and wonders where is the wedding ring did he take it she doesn't remember this and this is normal because she went through something traumatic i'm almost grateful that she doesn't remember i know that we need to find him but like i don't even have words like i want her to forget but i don't because i want to catch him but also she should forget does that make sense i'm gonna continue john went outside and it took him a while so she went to check and saw a man holding her husband like propped up so she said what are you doing and he dropped her husband and said i'll show you what i'm doing he puts tape on her and then that's when he ransacks the house and then assaults her they ask what did he look like and she's able to recall some details late 20s or 30s he was quite tall as she says he had a mustache and he was a white man with a suntan now they needed to find out if anyone else knows them or their house there was a housekeeper katie powell who would come over and clean the main areas she had a key but she no longer worked there she had been fired interesting this could be nothing but could also be everything she had been terminated recently like i said Officers schedule a sit-down and a taped interview. Her voice is very soft-sounding from what I noticed, and she said she doesn't know what she was doing that Monday, but when she found out, she was sitting watching TV and she could not believe it. She felt like someone hit her with a bat. Officers don't think she seems deceptive, and I, I don't really think so either. She does tell us about getting fired, says she was OD'd in caretaking, had little energy, and it's a very big house for one person. 
She had a bad back and says that Hazel was also getting really attached to her. She would always say, I love you guys, be good to each other every time she left their home. The officer asks, do you work now? And she says, yeah, I'm working with a company with my boyfriend, Terry. Officers don't think she had anything to do with this, but now they're wondering about the boyfriend. So they start honing in on him. They think that it has to be somebody that knew the layout of the house. I have to disagree on this. I don't think it would necessarily matter if the person knew the layout of the house because, I mean, is the circuit breaker not usually always in the same spot, especially if the house was built around the same, like, decade? I mean, this person knew that there was only two of them, most likely, but also could have just gotten lucky. They think the boyfriend would be somebody that would know the layout of the house, so they go and see him. Officers tell him about the attack and he seems shocked. Weird, is this just dramatized for the show or did you really not know? Like, did your girlfriend not tell you? It's kind of weird. They were looking for any type of defensiveness, any type of anger in Terry, and it just wasn't there. He owned a business and worked for someone, so they checked with his work, and around the time of the crime scene, or around the time that the crime occurred, he was at work and that checked out. So now Detective Birch can only rely on the physical evidence because that's all he has. There were no fingerprints, no fluids, just the shoe print. No fluids. Ugh. I remember typing that and just being like, should I even mention that? I don't know, because I know it sounds really morbid, but at least if somebody was assaulted, there would be some sort of DNA, and there was none here. The suspect's MO was to come with nothing but gloves and use what they had at the home. The duct tape and everything. Everything used the crowbar was it a crowbar or metal bar i'm sorry uh the flashlight the duct tape that was all already at the home this shows somebody that has a criminal history officers canvassed the area talked to neighbors and everyone thought that they were wonderful people and were surprised that anybody would ever want to hurt them they were grade school sweethearts like i mentioned before they grew up together and they were together for over 60 years enjoying their last act not a care in the world Hazel called officers every day, and one time they didn't answer, she left a voicemail. This is Hazel. John had a heart attack. He's in Baptist Hospital. You can call if you'd like to reach us. It didn't click in my head, but he had a heart attack and passed away, unfortunately. Like, the things that Hazel's going through, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Goodness, I can't even begin to fathom what she must be feeling right now, or in this moment. Detective Birch was frustrated and this hit home for him. Failure was not an option. He felt like everything washed away after John died. So he went to look back at the crime scene photos in a different way. He went back to her hand, the fact that there was no wedding ring. Did he take it off and she forgot? He looks at cases where wedding rings and jewelry were taken off of the victim. He did find three robberies that included a rape where the suspect pulled off the woman's ring. This was huge this was his guy he had their crime scene and four other crime scenes he was very confident whoever did this did all of the others one victim of these crimes had more details than any other this woman's name was sophia rosenbaum she comes into the station for an interview he says that the guy broke in attacked her and stole a ring so forcefully off of her finger that he broke her finger and he was not white he was mediterranean that is very specific. Officers want to place her with a sketch artist, but she says, actually, I will draw him. So she does, and she has the skills to do it. It's detailed and it is good. He goes to see Hazel to show her the picture, and 
she couldn't identify the man in the photo she remembers nothing and she honestly she says she remembers like no face at all i mean i know she remembers little things like the mustache but like i said it is or like officers said it is something normal to go through with trauma officers have no idea where this man is so he makes a national broadcast with a bulletin he sends it through the country through the violent criminal apprehension program asking for detectives to respond if anything sounds familiar this man is doing everything he can to find the killer and i love it like in every other case i've never heard detectives go to this extent like look at all the cold case files we went over do you think that they would have ended differently if they had one of these detectives on the case maybe we should revisit some of them we will we will nine months have gone by from the attack and nothing he puts his bulletin out every week for months straight and finally 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 a detective named karen palaccio came across the bulletin she is a part of oakland pd in south florida she knows that there are teletypes she says teletypes came by every day all the time and she would skim through them in the mornings at least somebody's checking them damn she said when she saw this one it was like reading her own police report she calls detective birch and says she had a case like this on october 20th the next day so this was in forgive me phoenix arizona and there was something similar to it in south florida the next day i was like this is a little unlikely no in her attack or her crime the suspect forced himself in when the woman answered the door he had no supplies used her plastic gloves took her ring ransacked the house and sexually assaulted her this was also an elderly woman but in this case he left a full fingerprint on the dresser of her house this was obviously before he put on the gloves and guess what guess what this fingerprint matched a man by the name of mike metlo also known as or he also goes by mike Urich. now they finally have a name to match everything to detective bird tried to do a criminal history and found that this man had numerous names, numerous state of births, licenses. He is either a member or a former member of the Romani, Romani clan. Romani clan. So the way they describe it is a part of the Romani clan, not the Romani clan, a part of it, has a history of organized crime. And for decades, they traveled America in caravans and travel trailers, just committing a bunch of crimes now they're more bold in modern times they fly to various parts of the country and rent vehicles where they are they were saying that they would get cash by saying they would do certain jobs for cash and then maybe not even do the job so they would go to like someone's house and say hey like i'll mow your lawn if you give me like 200 dollars cash and they would either do it or they would just take the cash and go that's how they would get by um this guy is a member of this type of group they say he's with the family i don't know if that means he's with his family or just if that's how they refer to the group officers believe that he goes rogue so he can rape women because this is not something that they normally do at least that's what they make it seem like it's likely that he left florida i mean obviously he left florida he only stayed in phoenix arizona for less than 24 hours obviously he left florida nine months later they had no leads so they canvassed the neighborhood just like they did before one neighbor said this neighbor is very observational 
what's the word is very observant why couldn't i think of that word oh my it's like late for me <laughs> is very observant and they said that they saw a yellow station wagon around the time of the crime in front of, of a house that they knew was a rental house i'm thinking okay like why did you why did you notice a yellow station wagon because the car had arizona plates and they're in florida officers get a search warrant for that house in south florida and it was a jackpot they find large green garbage bags floor to ceiling in every room there was a duffel bag with jewelry over a quarter million dollars worth of jewelry i wonder why he left it there you, maybe this is like his main house that he stays at because there's no way he just left it there by the way in case anybody's thinking this was a stretch because for a second i was thinking like what are the odds this is the same person i mean it's the same mo but what are the odds well hazel's ring you know the woman from arizona was found in the duffel bag with the rings in south florida they also find 20 boxes of Reebok sneakers. So she scanned all of these and sent them over to Detective Birch to match against his shoe print. Police departments are calling Birch. Police departments from Nevada, Utah, Nexus. Did I mean to type Texas? I think I meant to type Texas. Indiana, just floods of calls. And one call was from Chicago, Illinois. Patrol officers had responded to a crime in progress by a man named Mike Urich. He was attacking an elderly woman whose daughter was upstairs on the phone with 911. He was literally caught in the act. What a douchebag. Like, hopefully he was caught before he hurt this poor woman, but like, so they arrest him in the act of committing a crime. Before they can go to court, however, Mike's attorney says that he suffers from mental incompetence and is sentenced to a mental health ward. So this essentially writes off what he was doing with that woman in uh, Illinois. I don't know what type of mental illness would make you do that. Officers go and talk to the people at the ward and they explain the situation, who this guy is and everything they need to know about him. The ward people tell them, they say that they only have one crime on file and he would be getting out very soon. So now they're running out of time because as soon as this dude's released, he's going to be on the run again. He's going to do it to God knows how many women before he gets caught again. Officers fly to Illinois to talk to Mike. They have with them a cassette tape with 30 minutes of time on it, so they gotta get a confession in 30 minutes, or at least something worth using. The first thing they notice is Mike was a big guy with a look of utter arrogance. He's also, he's also kind of an idiot. He waves his rights and he says he has nothing to hide. This part, I, I kind of, I had to keep replaying it and I still don't get it. The documentary says that Mike gives officers an address. I don't know if he was trying to say that this was his address, but he ends up giving them John's address, which is the house in Arizona, literally where he committed that crime. Mike is wondering why they're there. He's actually, he actually looks really confused. Like he's that confident he's not about to get caught. Officers show him a picture of the footprint that they found on the property. And this idiot, he says, Oh yeah, that's my shoe print. <laughs> Detectives did not expect this, and they didn't have a lot of time in the recording, so they gotta get more. They say, we know it's you with the rings, the prints, and the sketch. And Mike says, is my fingerprint on it? And as soon as he realizes officers have him caught, he freaks out. He gets pissed off, he blows up on them, and 
finally, there is now enough to send him to Arizona to convict him. Just like we thought, Yurik went into the house or went around the house, took out the power, knocked out John, and went inside. They make a photographic lineup for the crimes over in Arizona, and all the women that it happened to, remember there was four, it was Hazel and then three others, they all chose Yurik out of the lineup. He ended up pleading out a lot of crimes and they just needed to figure out how to sentence him. While they were figuring this out, Mike took the way out. He made a noose out of a bedsheet and hung himself. This detective Birch says was a good thing because it saved the victims from having to go to court. That's where it leaves us. Um, I actually was kind of curious to see where Hazel is now, unless they protected her identity with a fake name, which I would totally understand. Hazel Dernovich, Arizona. This is the grave marker for John, and I don't know when she passed away. They are both resting in peace. I didn't want to make a lot of, I honestly, this, there wasn't a lot of commentary in this episode, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there wasn't much to say. It just, this one just left me speechless. I, I truly don't understand how someone can do something like this to anybody <laughs> honestly anybody but just the evil hunger that this disgusting person had like i said i keep trying to form sentences and they're i either i'm tired or this is just that terrible of a case <laughs> i don't know guys but anyway that was it for american detective featuring joe kenda i'm not sure what i'm gonna cover next I was looking into another show on Discovery Plus with Joe Kenda. I think I'm going to do that next. Make sure you give the podcast five stars wherever you're listening. And 97% of you watching on YouTube are not subscribed. So make sure you like and subscribe, please. And if you'd like to support the podcast, um, you can go to consumingcrime.com and click the become a supporter button. This is where you can make a small donation of as little as 99 cents to help sustain future episodes. And it would honestly just mean the world to me. Uh, I didn't even mention the sponsor. You know what? Some episodes are sponsored by Audible. Some are not. This one I forgot. So check out last week's episode and um, you'll hear the sponsor there. Anyway, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for consuming crime with me and you'll hear me next week.